Listener Production. Hello, my lovely listeners. Where am I finding you at the moment? Perhaps like me, you are breathing a sigh of relief. We are through the silly season and I hope that you have survived as best you can. It's a bit crazy, isn't it? All the pressure that we put on ourselves and I hope now you are able to exhale a little bit wherever it is you might be and to take the time for you, to carve out some moments for you. I never make New Year's resolutions, but I try and think about what do I want to do differently? What do I want to do the same? What have I learnt that I want to take with me into 2024? And so that is what I want to share with you in this episode. So we're wrapping up this season of the podcast and I want to give you all of my love and thanks for being along for the ride. And also, of course, I want to give all my love and thanks to our amazing guests who've been so open and at times incredibly vulnerable in these conversations about the stuff of life, the things that invigorate us, the things that matter. And as I said, I want to thank you for joining me for listening to me, sharing these stories as you make your way through your day, through your life. Because knowing that you are here with me, holding my hand as well, as I experience these deep moments with our guests, the laughter, and hearing them open up in ways they haven't before, fills me with such joy. But of course, I can't be doing this alone. I need you along for the ride as well. So thank you for sharing it with me. It means so much and it fills my heart with joy and with gratitude. Now, my goal for every episode is to show you a different side of people that I speak with, a side that you don't usually get to hear. And there have been some pretty incredible, deep and meaningfuls, which for me are the conversations that I love to have and that I love to share with you. So in this episode, I want to look back on some of the biggest jewels of wisdom. And as I said, it's not just about looking back. I want you to take perhaps something, maybe a lot from all of these different episodes that I'm sharing with you and bring them into 2024. There might be something that you think, hey, that's what I want to do, or I want to have that same courage to do things differently, to live a bigger, bolder and braver life. So I reckon there is definitely things in here from our guests that are going to resonate with you and that you can take into the new year ahead. Okay, to kick it off, where do we start? I mean, my amazing producer, Nick McClure, who also holds my hand through these podcasts and is very much a part of what we bring you. We couldn't, I couldn't do it without Nick. Where do we start? I mean, we looked through our incredible roster of guests and it was difficult to try and just trim them down, but we thought both of us figured, let's start with Kyle Sandilands. Now, this is a conversation that I'll never forget. Love him, I love Kyle, or loathe him, which I know some people do. Kyle is one of the most 
powerful figures in Australian media. He's a self-made millionaire and he's someone who has never been afraid to voice his opinions both on and off the airways. Now, in our chat, you hear a very different side to Kyle. I think a side that I've never heard him share before. And he opened up about becoming a dad and how since becoming a father, he's found that it's given him permission to be vulnerable, even though he kept pushing back at me through this conversation about what are you trying to do? What are you doing here? And we do hear a much softer side to Kyle that we haven't heard before. Like I'm more aware, whoa, this is a, I've got a vulnerability here that I've never felt before and it makes me a bit nervous, that vulnerability, because I could shut anything down. I could pretend things never happened. I could put up a brick wall and just think, I don't care, I'm a bulldozer. I could care less. But now I feel exposed, like, oh, here's this big meaty heart hanging out that everyone can see. And But it worried me for a while, but now I'm I'm not so worried. I'm I'm sort of more comfortable with it. It's definitely a growing thing that's happened for me as well. So as he's growing and Tegan and I growing, like I think I've done more growth in the last maybe year and a half than the previous 50. So yeah, I'm a slow learner, but I get there. So what's the piece of wisdom, the learning that I got from Kyle? I think perhaps it's about the power of love to change us. And when you have something more than yourself to think about, something that's bigger than you, it can help put everything else into perspective. Okay, Mel B, the ultimate Spice Girl. Of course she's my favourite. I mean, she's the number one leopard lady. Who doesn't love all of the leopard? Now, Mel B, though, of course you know, she's one of the world's most iconic entertainers. She was known as Scary Spice and she helped to create the girl power movement. But behind this glossy exterior, Mel was in an abusive relationship for 10 years. We spoke a lot in our chat over FaceTime about the impact of being in that abusive relationship. And there was a moment in the conversation where I'd said to Mel, she was the epitome of girl power and that now it was sort of like girl power was all grown up. But what Mel then revealed to me, and I hadn't thought about this, and the sort of irony was she was the voice, wasn't she, of girl power. But here she was suddenly becoming voiceless. She didn't have a voice when she was in this terrible relationship. And also this sort of public figure of being the face of yes, girl power was girl powerlessness. And what I learned from Mel was the importance of speaking up, of sharing your experiences, of actually dropping that facade of this seemingly perfect, amazing, successful life. And in doing so, taking your power back. And Mel is so passionate about helping other women find their power again, find their voice, recognise the signs of what being in an abusive relationship can be all about. But more importantly, how you can get your power back and lead a most incredible life. 
take a listen to Mel B. Yeah, it's funny you say that, though, because I had like 10 years in a very abusive relationship. 10 years I was like girl powerless. So it's funny how things change in your life and you get put in certain situations and you trust and believe and then you have to come out of it and then deal with that aftermath. But I'm glad that I've maintained my honesty and my, you know, my down-to-earthness, I hope. You know, abuse can just happen to anybody. These people that do that and they do it for a living, I'm convinced. They swoop in like Prince Charming or Princess Charming and they dazzle you with everything that you want, as in the support, the love, the interest. And they already have their mission to destroy you and take your money and control you and ultimately (laughs) have you be nothing of your present existence. I've been lucky enough over the years to meet John Edward. He was a guest a number of times when I was on Studio 10, so I was able to talk with him and see him up close with the incredible gift that he has. So I was so thrilled to have him into the podcast studio and also to hear more about his life. I mean, we know that he is the world's foremost psychic medium and author. And over the last three decades, he's helped thousands with his ability to predict future events and communicate with those who've crossed over to the other side. But of course, there is so much more to John than that. I have learned so much from him. One thing that I have learned is very much that idea about negative ninjas. I'm not going to let people take my power. And I'll never forget the lesson that he shared with us on how to protect your energy in a much wider way, not only from the negative ninjas, but also toxic people that somehow we seem to all get in our lives, don't we? And he speaks about the importance of setting up boundaries and also what an energy grenade is. And right now with social media, being an empath is the buzzword. And what that means is that you are a highly sensitive person. You're intuitive. You're sensitive. Better way of saying it, because if you're being an empath, it means that you can't feel your own feelings. You're taking on somebody else's. And we Ah. never want to be risotto. That's what I tell people. You don't want to be risotto. You want to be the main dish. So if you make seafood with risotto, that risotto is now seafood risotto. If you make chicken with risotto, that is now chicken risotto. So you want to be the chicken and the fish, never the risotto. So energetically, you want to be sensitive, not an empath. Because if you're in a toxic relationship or in a relationship with somebody who's not positive for you and you are being an empath, then you are now not feeling your feelings, you're feeling theirs and people can get stuck. And that was such a light bulb moment for me. I've always thought of myself as an empath and thinking that is a really positive thing to be. But I hadn't realized the difference between say being an empath but being simply a sensitive person, but protecting myself from other people's energy. So that piece of wisdom, that learning that I took from John was still about being able to embrace that sensitive side of myself, which I will never ever lose, but also to get 
better at protecting myself from people who want to drain us of energy. I mean, we've all got those people, don't we, who you walk away from them and you feel more exhausted after spending time with them. Don't you want to be with people who, when you leave their company, you actually leave feeling invigorated? I want more of that for 2024, and I reckon you do too. So, I mean, I'm still a work in progress with that. I'm still working on not letting people drain me of my energy, but I reckon that is a really powerful lesson from John Edward. When I think about strength and bravery, you know who I think about? Designer Camilla Franks. She is just phenomenal. She has this way of sprinkling fairy dust around whatever it is she does, but that in no way detracts from her power. She has a global fashion business with her designs worn from everyone from Robbie Williams, Oprah, Beyonce, JLo, and of course, I mean, how could we possibly forget Jennifer Coolidge in White Lotus? Now, I've wanted to have Camilla on the podcast ever since it started because I've always adored her strength coupled with exuberance and joy. And when you're in Camilla's presence, she she does have this incredible power, this life force around her, but it's not intimidating. You know, sometimes when you meet someone who is very powerful, but you feel, oh no, this is too much. Camilla is not that. She has this warmth within her power, this earthiness. And I was blown away with how she's used her power when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Take a listen to her response when I asked her if there was a time when she thought, this isn't fair. This is a question we'd all ask ourselves. Why is this happening to me? Yeah, I mean, I think you speak to everyone that's gone through cancer. It's always, why me? But then why not me? So it was part of the plan for me. Thank you. I took it on shoulders <laughs> and I had to become the CEO of my own body for that amount of time. And I threw myself into six months of the bazooka of all chemo. Um, then came the losing of the hair and that was a journey on itself. I mean, when you've got these, you know, you had long locks and everything and And you were shaving. known for those, I know. those beautiful curly locks. And then so shaving that off, you know, that was the first step and that was terrifying, but it was actually one of the most empowering things that stripped me back to my most raw and authentic. And I had my best friend there, my, my hubby, um, my best friend from India, all around me doing this ceremony. And then they turned and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, not so bad. And it just felt really empowering to just have me without the makeup, without the big hair, without the crystals, and just me. And I was like, okay, we need to do this now. We've got no hair. We're on this path. It was the finite moment. Listening to Camilla share that again, it still gives me goosebumps. It's because she taught me about what bravery truly looks like. You're still frightened, you're still afraid, but you go ahead and you do it anyway. To think about that beautiful woman sitting there in her power as those luscious locks that she has just fell away from her head. <laughs> 
she made a choice about how she was going to confront a truly terrible time in her life. And she faced it in such an empowering way. And that is a lesson that we can all learn from. I love Camilla Franks and her warrior ways. She is truly a warrior woman when I think about her. Denny Todorovic is a queer and human rights activist and educator, a podcast host, and a celebrity fashion stylist. Now, I was drawn to Denny's warmth, honesty, and love of fashion and high heels. Now, we first bonded online, and I wanted to have a proper DM in real life because I wanted to talk to Denny about what it means to be non-binary. What does that mean? And how we can have better conversations about it and not be afraid to ask the questions that we want those answers to. So I asked Denny to explain what it means to be non-binary. Now, Denny is such a special soul. And through this conversation, What I learned was the importance of having these sometimes difficult and awkward conversations and not being afraid to ask those questions because you might be worried about saying the wrong thing. Denny is a huge believer in saying, no, it's not the wrong thing to ask the question as long as those questions are respectful and that they come from a place of love and kindness and wanting to understand. I love this question. Okay, so binary is a term that means anything that constructs of two things, like any system that constructs of two things. So if you look at like uh, the AFL, it's quite a binary system, right? There's two teams that verse each other. There's not three teams that verse each other. So like that's a binary system. So the gender construct for Western civilization has been binary, male, female. So to identify as non-binary in the most simple form means that you identify beyond, between, and outside that binary system. Now, non-binary itself is an umbrella term. And underneath that umbrella term sit various identities. So I identify most as gender non-conforming, meaning I don't conform to any kind of gender stereotype. Uh, Sam Smith and Courtney Act both identify as gender fluid. So they will kind of like fluctuate between male and female and other. Now, to get even more deep, non-binary people also exist in the trans umbrella, which was something I had to really learn because I really proudly identify as a trans person now. So transgender by definition simply means that you don't identify as the sex that was assigned to you at birth. So underneath, you know, this beautiful spectrum, when people say, why do you need all those letters in the acronym? Like, this is why. Does that make sense? Denny, thank you for opening my eyes, for your big, beautiful heart, and for sharing your wisdom with us all. This next moment that I want to share with you is the most intimate conversation I've ever had on the podcast. And it is a great lesson in the power of vulnerability. Now, what you're about to hear 
is astrophysicist Dr Matt Agnew, who's probably best known for his role on The Bachelor. And here he opens up for the first time about his life of mental illness. Now, for me, it was such a privilege to hold space for Matt and to have this conversation with him. Now, Matt and I both shed tears and I clutched his hand through this conversation. It is hard to talk in this way. And for Matt to be so brave and so vulnerable is just, it's a privilege for me to be there with him while he did it, but also to share it with you. But before we do that, just a gentle warning, this conversation, it does touch on suicide. I've had a long battle with mental illness for a long time. I first started seeing a psychologist when I was 12 years old. Um, I was struggling with um, quite bad anxiety as a, as a child, um, so much so that I missed a lot of school, just kind of inconsolable before going to school in the mornings, hyperventilating. I was throwing up a lot of the mornings and, and my folks were a, a bit at a loss of how to navigate that. And so I started seeing a psychologist back then. Um, and then um, about a bit over a decade ago, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and have been on antidepressants essentially since then for over a decade. And I've had a few challenges throughout that. And I haven't really talked about that particularly much openly. I think they got really bad a few years ago, um, 2021, um, where... Um, so I, I um, tried to end my life in 2021 and um, I, I woke up in hospital. I, I don't remember much. I don't remember the hospital stay particularly much. Um, I was discharged and um, five, five weeks later I had a... Um, I had all the plans in place for a second attempt and was stopped um, by friends. And this was during COVID. I was um, kind of just inconsolable um, and ended up um, being admitted as an inpatient for three weeks um, at a mental health hospital. When, when I'm in a trough or, or a low, it's, it's, it's exhausting. I see a psychologist and a psychiatrist regularly. Um, I have two GPs, a whole sweet medical team. Um, it just feels like so much effort and work and financially very expensive for me and I imagine thousands of Australians to exist um, that for, for me to have a baseline that isn't dangerous is so much work. I'm giving Matt a huge 
virtual hug as I share his most vulnerable moment with you. Now, this conversation means the world to me. Why? I'm a passionate advocate of greater mental health awareness. And I'm such a strong believer, as you know, in sharing our stories, in connecting with one another. It's how we feel understood. It's how we make sense of ourselves in the world. And Matt's experience touched so many of us. It helped so many people, especially men, to share their own experiences with their loved ones. They reached out to me, Through the podcast, they reached out to Matt and I know it helped people have those conversations with those they love about the struggles that they're going through. Because once we realise that there is power in our vulnerability, there is power in sharing with those we love the struggles that we are going through, our deepest, darkest fears. Because the thing is, we do that and we realise it's not just us. All of us are going through something. And that is why I'm so thankful for Matt sharing in the way he did. Leah Purcell is someone who I have wanted to talk with for a long time. She is one of Australia's leading actors, writers, playwrights and directors. And whenever you see Leah on screen, she has this warmth, this love, this light that just comes through. And she also has resilience. And that is what I took away from the conversation that I had with her. She's a proud Koa Gungari Waka Waka Muri woman from Queensland. And she says she's a truth teller. And I just love her for her fierceness and that she's unapologetic, which comes through in everything that she does. My daughter was born in September. My mother died in October and I was in an abusive relationship. And and I was nudging alcohol at the time because I saw my mum sort of dull and her pain through that. And I just sort of said, uh, this isn't me. I I don't like where it was taking me. Um, There were suicidal thoughts. As a Mm. 19-year-old, escaping, as you say, an abusive relationship, I mean, you literally climbed out the window Mm. of your house, didn't you? Yeah, I was too frightened to walk past the room. So I got a lot of, I threw a lot of the bags out, got my daughter out. And and there was one more bag that I left. And uh, there was someone sleeping in another room and I tapped on the window and I said, I need the bag in the hallway. And I did, I, you know, through the window. And I left. I just, I had to do it. You know, my mother wasn't there anymore. I didn't want this lifestyle. Because I grew up in pubs. I grew up around pub violence. You know, I probably spent more times in pubs when I was underage than what I, I, I don't even have a local now. You know, like, I just, I just don't go there. I just spent too much time there. And I didn't want that for my daughter. Leah is such a powerful woman, determined not to let circumstances define her life. For me, her wisdom was about never, ever giving up. And a moment when she talks about looking at herself in the mirror when she was a young woman and not liking what she saw when she looked back. But now she looks in the mirror and she really likes what she sees. 
So Leah has this incredible warmth about her, but she's tough and resilient at the same time. There's a light in her eyes and that warmth that I said that radiates from her. And this invigorated me to think about what sort of life do I have? And realising I have the power to change it, regardless of what might be happening, I do have that power within myself to make a difference. I have that inside of me. And Leah Purcell has that in spades. And she has shown us how we can harness that power to live a truly remarkable and rewarding life. Grant Denyer, I've known for years, and he's someone who seems to have it all together. He has a very successful TV and radio career spanning over 20 years, which really is quite something in the media industry. And also he has a beautiful wife, Shezzy, and their three gorgeous daughters. But what you're about to hear from Grant is that behind all of this gloss, this seemingly successful life, Grant still struggles with not feeling enough. Uh, Look, I'm a lot more comfortable in my skin only recently than I used to be. I think in not feeling enough or that you're good enough or you don't deserve to be there, you, you dig deeper, you produce, you're forced to produce a better level of work because you think your entire job is at risk if this next job you thing you're doing isn't perfect. So the perfectionism kicks in. And the stakes are high for every single thing you do because you think your career is going to fall over if you don't do this bit well, right? So it's exhausting, um, but you hold yourself to a very, very high standard and not a healthy standard, but it served me well professionally. It hasn't served me well personally. So I'm trying to undo some of that. I have a lot of, lot of um, negative self-talk. Like it's pretty, it's pretty horrific in, in, in my head uh, how, Still, how I talk, talk to myself, yeah. And it wasn't until winning the gold Logie was, was quite profound for me and meant way more than I ever imagined it to be because I could stop and I could go, I'm, I'm enough. I've done it. I made it. I made it. I was so exhausted. I felt like I'd been running on a treadmill with it turned up to 11 my entire career pretending to be what everyone wants and I, I just, my shoulders just relaxed. I took a deep breath and, excuse me, it was, uh, yeah, I, uh, I did it. I made it. So it was, yeah, it was cool. It was nice. And I know a lot of people like to joke about the Logies and, and it means different things to different people, but it represented the end of an exhausted act that I was tired of playing and I didn't have to play it anymore because um, the first time in my life I felt like I was enough. So Grant got very emotional in our conversation. He was so open. And to sit with him while he spoke about not feeling enough, even now, with everything that he's achieved, it really made me stop in my tracks because I thought if someone like Grant has those sorts of questions swirling around in his head, what about all of us? 
don't you think that lesson is about taking the pressure off? Why is it that we sometimes listen to that voice in our heads that says, no, no, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. Why not try and replace that voice, that negative soundtrack with, you are enough. Look at what you have. And also, rather than comparing yourself to everyone else around you who you think have it all together, none of us do. And if people do, they're just better at pretending. So listen to that voice that says, hey, you are pretty special. Don't do the self sabotage as Grant is trying more and more not to do. I mean, that can be so exhausting. So if you are listening to this as we go into our new year, please say out loud or whisper it, say it in your head, whatever it is, I am enough. That is what I want to take into this new year because I too have moments where I question myself, where I go over things again and again, but I'm getting better at stopping that negative soundtrack. So what about you do that as well? Why don't we try and make that promise to one another that we're going to listen more to I Am Enough. This next lesson for me came from Shana Blaze. Now, Shana, of course, is the award-winning interior and set designer, and you'd know her as well as one of the judges on the block. And now what you're about to hear from Shana is a great lesson in the importance of speaking up and not being a bystander when you see or hear bad behaviour. You see, Shana is passionate about making a difference and she's co-founded a family violence charity called Voice of Change. And this is because of her own experience with family violence. Now, to be honest, I was unsure how to start a conversation with Shana about family violence, about her own experience. It's a difficult topic. And often we don't know what to say when we're worried about someone close to us who might be going through something. We all need those tools about what do we say? How do we begin this? So I wanna share with you now this powerful moment when Shana shares how to speak up and to have these uncomfortable conversations. When you're at a dinner party or when you're in a group conversation and somebody says something that's not quite right, they might say something derogatory about their partner or they might say something about a workmate that's really quite not comfortable and you just reach out and and just go, oh, what do you mean by that? And then they might explain it further. Yeah, but I, I don't understand that. So all of a sudden they have to tell you what that issue is and they're breaking it down. So you're not confrontational and most likely they'll say it a couple of times and then just like shut the conversation down. So all of a sudden everyone at the table's not embarrassed. So that's the big hard thing. We're embarrassed to say something to somebody because it'll embarrass them, but that person's doing the wrong thing. So that one person is affecting a group of say eight people at the table So that shouldn't be, that we're giving that person power by everybody being silent. And I think the great saying is that silence is another form of abuse. And that's really important that if you let 
these people say these things, they have permission to keep saying it. And uncomfortable isn't about violence. Uncomfortable isn't about aggression and it's not confrontational. Uncomfortable is questioning somebody's actions when you know they're not right. Isn't that powerful? I learnt so much from Shana. She was such a revelation to me. And it can be difficult, can't it, to stand up. I have done it over the years, but then there are other times when I think, oh, I'll just ignore that. But no, we can't walk past it. We can't ignore it. You do want to make a big deal of it. It's not just words, because those words have power. As Shana teaches us, don't be a bystander. Speak out. Call people out on their bad behaviour. Make them feel uncomfortable. Don't you sit there quietly being the uncomfortable one. Call them out. Let's not be silent as we go into 2024. You know how much I love fashion. I love colour and I love its power to elevate our mood, to set us up for the day, and also as a costume. And so I was beside myself when I had the chance to talk with fashion icon and artist, Jenny Key. She is a woman that just oozes colour, individuality, and dressing for an occasion. But she has a beautiful quirkiness and strong sense of self, which I think is so very powerful. Now, did you know that Jenny Key, when she was so much younger, had an amazing one night stand with John Lennon? Now, we talk about that in the podcast. And we also talk about how she was a part of the cool crowd in the swinging 60s. Not only did she hang out with Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles, She also helped dress them. A little bit later, her Australiana designs became world famous when Princess Diana was photographed wearing her hand-knitted jumper with a koala emblazoned on the front. And then suddenly in the Australian Women's Weekly, there was all of these patterns for these koala jumpers. Now, Jenny shared all of these stories in our chat and she also reflected on her near-death experience in the Granville train disaster, which had a profound effect on her life setting her up on her path to become a design trailblazer. So as I said, I leapt at the chance to talk with Jenny about where she gets her joie de vie for life and how she makes the most of every single moment because she doesn't want to miss a thing. I make the most of every single moment because I I could have died. And from that moment on, I've made the most of every single moment, including the tragic things that have happened. You know, like everything is your teacher. Your children are your teachers. The the tragedies that happen to you in life are your teachers. It's just the way you see things. And if you take it all in and think of it just as your tragedy or your happiness or your... It's just the most transforming thing is to send it out so that everything that happens to you isn't just about you. It's a human condition. These are suffering is a human condition. Happiness is a human condition. So if you can see everything in the world as being 
not everything to, to your own experience, seeing it in a bigger picture. That's how you develop compassion. Oh, there was so much that I learned from Jenny, including keeping embracing my quirkiness and love of colour. The older I get, I'm going to keep doing that because Jenny really showed me age is just a number. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't slow you down. I learned from her the importance of always being curious about being open to the beauty surrounding you and to never, ever stop tapping into what is it that makes your soul, your creative soul come alive. How I would love to walk with Jenny around the bush in the Blue Mountains. Another moment of revelation on the podcast, which really opened my eyes, came from award-winning director and actor, Rachel Ward. Now, Rachel was a Hollywood star in the 80s, and soon after that, she made her name in the Thornbirds TV series, where she says she made off with one of Australia's most iconic men, Brian Brown, who she's been married to for 40 years. Now, during our conversation, I asked Rachel about growing up in an English manner and to use her words with a silver spoon in her mouth. Well, it depends what you define as silver spoon or privilege. I mean, children don't really care. They don't see privilege. They don't notice it. I mean, it's sort of, it's interesting to go, well, what is privilege as a child? As a child, it's having your parents' undivided attention and uh, I suppose learning through wonderment and, op- you know, opportunity of being outside, I would say. Um But, you know, that wasn't the case. I mean, outside was the case for me, being out, and I was grateful to be in the country, but I was certainly not privileged with having parents' undivided attention. It was very much a them and us thing. We were brought up by, uh, you know, paid help. And um, I really didn't have a particular relationship with my mother or my father until I was about 16, 17. So, and we went to boarding school really early. So you can talk about growing up with privilege and also, you know, you can talk about growing up in that world of privilege, but as a woman, it is certainly not privilege. As a woman, if you are very much a second-class citizen, you are made to feel like a second-class citizen and in every way you are. And in every way, the man, the value of the man is put in front of, of, of the woman. Um, so that I don't call privilege. So although I go, yes, I was brought up in, you know, inverted commas, privilege. Let's actually look at what this privilege is because it doesn't really pertain to either children or uh, as a woman. Now, isn't that quite something? Until I spoke with Rachel, I'd never thought about privilege in that way. Sure, I had considered that, yes, women could be treated as ornaments in the English upper classes, but of course in society generally. But I'd never thought about it in the way that kids are treated. And that sense of giving kids love and undivided attention and our presence is really about true richness. And that really is about what true privilege is, being present and being there for your kids and the people that you love most. Now, we all have 
bucket list moments, don't we? What are yours? What are your bucket list moments as you think about moving ahead? Well, for me, I got one of my bucket list moments thanks to my fantastic and dogged producer, Nick McClure. We got the Prime Minister into our podcasting studio. So that was a real coup and such a highlight. Now, there were so many things that our PM shared with us about his life. One that really stood out to me was that he didn't have a sense of destiny that he was bound to be a prime minister one day and that how not having that expectation on his shoulders, that people never thought he'd be the PM, he never thought he'd be the prime minister, that that in fact was a positive for him and that that was incredibly freeing for him when it came to being in the top job. I'm pretty up as a person in my job as well when some of the personal attacks that come on. It's like, oh, really? You know, we're talking, uh, as I entered the studio, about uh, my itinerary in the last week, which has consisted of, you know, from Canberra to Jakarta to Manila to Delhi, back to Canberra to Question Time. And when you will then have people go, oh, you know, flying around the luxury. (laughs) And it's like, oh, really? It's completely exhausting. But by and large, you know, that's just part of, the deal. And I regard it as an incredible privilege having the high office that I do. It's not something I anticipated. In 2013, I ran for the leader of the Labor Party when when we lost. I'd been Deputy Prime Minister and it took me a couple of weeks to enter the field and uh, I contested against Bill Shorten. And in part, what was going on there was I wasn't sure that in order to be Prime Minister and in order to lead a major party, you didn't have that sense of destiny. Now, I wasn't someone who went into politics thinking, I'm going to be the leader. I just didn't think that was on my agenda. I wanted to make a contribution. But I didn't have that sense of destiny that some people have, and that's fine. That's not a criticism. It's just I wasn't sure that you had to have it. But I think me not having it, is a plus as well. It means I am less anxious. I'm less worried about some of the negatives that come with it. You know, you go up and you go down. Polls go up and down. Uh, You get criticism, you get praise. You just got to ride with it. I think not having that sense of destiny or, you know, I was born to be Prime Minister has really helped to just be chilled, do what I need to do without fear. Like there are some people who've said to me, gee, you know, it's a risk having a referendum, which it is. There hasn't been one this century. And I say, well, if not now, when? And if not me, who's going to do it? So regardless of what your politics are, I think there's a really important learning there from our Prime Minister. It's about the power of making decisions, living your life without fear, because it can be hard, can't it? Because we often think 
too much about, oh, what will someone think of that? Maybe I'm not meant to be doing that. Because all of us in varying degrees at different times in our life can feel those outside pressures or judgments that stop us from living our truest life, from making those dreams come true. I know it's a cliche about making your dreams come true but we only get one crack at this. There's so much more that I want to be doing. I'm only 53, I feel like, you know what? The best is yet to come. And I hope for you too, you think about what is it that I can do? What is it that I'm afraid of? Listen to that. And perhaps what is it that you're afraid of is really what you're meant to be doing. And it's where your true potential lies. So here's to 2024, being full of more of us reaching our potential and not listening to other people's expectations of what they think we should be doing. You do you, because you know what? I'm going to do me. (laughs) Wendy Harmer is a national treasure. She's an author, stand-up comedian, national TV host, and a trailblazer for women in the media. I've been lucky enough to experience Wendy's warmth and compassion firsthand. So I was excited and a little nervous to have Wendy in the podcasting studio. Normally, Wendy's the one doing the interviewing, but now it was my turn and I couldn't wait to talk with her. Well, you know what? The Logies taught me that because there were very few people who reached out to me during that time. And I thought, you know what? I am now, when I see someone going through a big pile of, you know, poo, I'm just going to reach out and go, how are you going? You know, I've made so many lovely friends in that way. An email or a note, just so I pick up the phone, i got your number. Hey, how are you getting on? You would be surprised. I am surprised about the number of people in the public eye who you would imagine who had every resource to be able to pick themselves up from a public humiliation or a scandal or whatever, who find themselves incredibly isolated. And so, it, you know, to be able to sort of, you know, send a note or pick up the phone and go, how are you getting on? For them, it's often, you know, a really uh, a lifeline, you know. It is something that is unexpected and comes at a, at a time when they are really low. But as I say, you can eat all very well from outside. Someone who goes through one of those public pylons, wow, that is tough stuff. Wendy is full of wisdom and also fun and laughter. And that is a lesson, I think, for all of us, a learning. We need to have a laugh. We need to see the silliness, the absurdity sometimes of the situations we find ourselves in life. Because if we can't laugh, often we end up crying. So Wendy is such a good lesson in try to see the light, try to see the laughter in this situation. But another learning, a very important one that Wendy taught me is the power of random acts of kindness. Now, Wendy reached out to me when I was at a very low point in my life and it made such a difference. So why not reach out to someone that you know? It might just be as simple as sending them a text 
You might phone them. I'm not very good on the phone, (laughs) mind you. I'm better with a text. Could be an email. It could be a card. Because we think that people are coping. We think, oh, they'll be right. They'll be right. But you never know what that person might be going through when you reach out to them. You don't know how much it means to them in that moment that you are thinking of them, that you are sending them love, that you are sending them support, that you are holding out your hand to them. So why not do that in the year ahead? That is what I learned from Wendy and I try very much and do that to people in my life or people around me who perhaps I don't know that well but are in my orbit and they might be going through a difficult time. So be kind. Oh, I've loved sharing some of those learnings with you. And I hope you've enjoyed reflecting on these moments as much as I have. But you know, I love to hear from you too. What moments and learnings have you taken from the podcast this year? Share it with me via Insta. You do know how important it is for me to hear from you because we are such a fabulous and supportive community. Now to listen to any of these guest episodes in full, there is a link in the show notes. I really wanna thank you for being a part of our big talk community. Without you, there is no podcast. And it fills my cup along with the cup of my very special executive producer, Nick McClure. This is a labor of love for us, this podcast. We feel so privileged to be able to share these conversations with you and to hear from you, to hear more about what you want to learn, who you want to hear from, really means the world to us. Now, when I think about learnings, what is it that I want to share with you, apart from what our guests have taught us? I want you to be brave, to be bold, but to be gentle on yourself. You know, this world is getting crazier. It seems to be spinning more and more out of control. And I know sometimes I feel powerless in everything that is happening sometimes. But you know what we can control? We can control how we react in situations. We can control how we interact with those in our lives, those acts of kindness, making people feel seen and heard. I look for those glimmers when everything can feel so big and scary around us. What are those small glimmers that make you feel a little lighter? I know for me, the glimmer is hearing the kookaburra that is on our gum tree just outside of our window. I know for me, the glimmer is dawdling with my beautiful doggy Daphne. I know for me, the glimmer is moobering my daughters around. So that's just some of my glimmers. Seek out what is it that brings you joy? What is it that makes your heart sing. And you know what makes my heart sing? That we're coming back for season four. And if there's a guest that you'd love to hear on the show, follow the link that's in the show notes and share your suggestion. And Nick and I are going to do our very best to make that happen. And now before I say adieu to the year, a huge thanks to our big 
Talk team. Nat Marshall, who is a very talented audio imager who brings these conversations to life in the most beautiful way. Amy Code, our digital producer and our young groovy person. I don't know if she'd mind me calling her groovy, but you know, she's one of the cool kids who knows what you need to do on social media. Amy, thank you. Of course, the most biggest and enormous love to my executive producer, Nick McClure. Nick, it makes my heart full to be able to work and do this podcast with you. It's something that I am so proud that we do this together because we are a team. This would not happen without you. And thank you for making it happen and for knowing how to do a Google Doc. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm not good on the detail. I'm not a Google Doc person and Nick, patiently guides me through the Google Docs each time and makes it all happen. But what we do share is that we are passionate about bringing you these very special conversations. So my love and leopard lady, thanks to my fellow leopard lady, Nick McClure. I love you to bits, Nick. And of course, to Sam Kavanagh and Grant Tothill at Listener for all of your ongoing support. Big love and remember, you are enough.